others from our staff are in Colorado. And so uh, if you didn't know, we have a camp for middle school and high schoolers going on. In fact, they were supposed to do white water river rafting at 8.30 this morning after an 18-hour bus. So let me just tell you, they need some prayer. Okay, so I wanna invite you guys to come up. We need every one of these taken. Don't be shy. I need y'all up and moving like now. And you can grab one because here's the deal. We want every one of these kids and counselors prayed over. It is powerful. I'm telling you that there are things happening here in the church today and we want that to ripple out. And so I'm gonna pray. Don't be hesitant to walk as I pray. It doesn't bother me at all and God hears us anyways, okay? So we're gonna pray for them. And I just wanna tell you, Pastor Jason is so sad not to be here, but I think he's probably also enjoying those cooler temperatures in Colorado, so there's that. (laughs) Father God, we just thank you so much for these kids who are signed up and ready to go. They're at Ascend, they're They're there, Lord, and we just pray that you would move in mighty, mighty ways, that your presence would be palpable for them. Lord, that you would keep everyone safe and healthy in Jesus' name. Lord, that there would be transitions, transformations, salvations, redemptions, restorations. We're praying for mighty healings in the name of Jesus. Lord, even as Justin prayed this morning, even as Don Maurice prayed this morning, Lord, we declare you break off the things that are not of you, and we are asking for you to do that. But you're so faithful that whenever you break off anything that is not of you, you fill us with something that is of you. You mend us, you heal us, you make us whole. So God, where there is depression, we're praying for peace and joy. Where there's anxiety, God, I pray that there's a reassurance of identity. I pray that every one of these kids comes back and and comes back into our families, Lord, knowing who they are and whose they are. Lord, we're asking for you to do a mighty work at this camp in each life this week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, well, obviously we are in a series on family right now, and I just have a question. How many of you, know that a perfect family does not exist. A few of you, some of you aren't raising your hands. I may need to talk to you afterwards and get your advice. Here's the deal. I have a really profound answer as to why perfect families do not exist. Do you wanna hear it? It's because people are involved. I know that shocks you, but it's the truth. And as we dig into this message, I want to ask you to respond by clapping as I share a few of these statements. So I want you to clap if you've ever heard these statements or if you have ever said these statements. Now, you don't have to say which one, but you just clap if you've ever heard it or said it. Y'all ready? I am what I am, and that's all that I am. There's a few claps. That's Popeye the Sailor Man. Toot, toot. That's who said that. Very profound, but we hear a lot of people say something like that, right? What about this one? You can't, I bet you're gonna finish it before I do. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. People are already clapping. (laughs) My father, whom I loved very much, he's now with Jesus, but he used to say that one a lot. 
You know, these have become old adages across the years. And the question I have for you today is, do you believe them? Because if you believe them, then it's possible that it's affecting you personally as well as affecting your family. Now, I'm gonna share another set of statements, and these are more personal to our marriages and to our families, and so I'm gonna tell you right now, you don't wanna clap on these because it might be a little awkward, okay? But here's, here are these statements, and they might, they might kind of resonate a little bit. Statements like, you always interrupt me. You know, we're, we're, we wanna, right? We wanna. You never listen to me. You always have to be right. Joel, was that you? You never help out around here. Now, unfortunately, these statements or a variation of them are common phrases, right? And the truth is, each of these statements insinuate this, a resistance to change or a belief in us that things will not change. Now, there's another old adage that we often hear, and it says this, familiarity breeds contempt. In a family, we see each other for who we are, right? For the most part, we see the good, we see the bad, we see the things that make us go, what was that? right? We see it all for the most part. But really our goal is to come into a family and to show our true selves with an expectation that we will be loved anyways, that we will be loved unconditionally. But what do we see a lot of in in families and marriages, or at least cycles of, in families that we would even call godly families, or even in the church family, goes back to that adage, and it would be contempt. Contempt displayed through disrespect, resentment, neglect, over-commitment and busyness, misplaced priorities, disruptions or eruptions due to past trauma, unhealthy coping due to stress. Can you relate to any of this? Well, here's the encouragement. (laughs) We're all human. Even if you are sitting here today saying you are a believer and follower of Christ, there's still room for improvement. And I will be the first to raise my hand with my family sitting right here and say, we still have room for growth. And as we dig into this message today, we would be the first to tell you we don't have this all figured out. God has been working in us this week, daily, But the thing is, we have a desire to grow, and I hope you guys feel the same. And so if that's true, then our next question would be, what do we do about it? And when I asked the Lord that question, this is what I heard. Fight the familiar. Fight the familiar. You see, synonyms for the word familiar are commonplace, the usual, and ordinary. Can I just tell you today that God did not create you and put your family together for you to be ordinary, for you to be commonplace in the rest of the world. You're supposed to stand out. You're supposed to be extraordinary. Now, don't get me wrong. 
If there's one or two of you, if there's a family in here that is consistently, wholeheartedly, and authentically praying together, where you're showing love and respect and forgiveness, where you have this daily, minute-by-minute desire to grow and serve together, if that's commonplace for your family, then keep it up. But I would ask you, what are the ordinary things the things that have become your usual, the things that are ways of life that have become familiar that don't fit into God's design for your family. See, God's plan isn't constant fighting, lack of connection, feeling unheard or ignored. It's not pornography, divorce, abuse, or addiction. It's not for a married couple, hold on, It's not for a married couple to be like ships passing in the night, carting kids to every which activity for long seasons of life. That's a hard one for us. I get it. It's not his plan for our kids to be anxious or suicidal or social media suckers. Here's the deal. Here's the encouragement. God loves your family just the way it is right now but he loves you too much to let you stay there, amen? I don't care if you're just like the Ingles or the Waltons. My mom watches the Waltons like every day. I think with this desire that we would become more like them, there's still opportunity for growth and improvement. And I know I had to go back to some really old shows, but I did Google the best shows on family today. And guess what? Ranker showed The Simpsons as number one. So there you go. I'm telling you, God wants us to fight the familiar so that we can find his favor within our families. He doesn't want us stuck. (laughs) Listen, you guys. He doesn't want us stuck in what we're currently used to. He doesn't want us confused, refused. He doesn't want us unused in his kingdom. He wants us to be enthused about our family. And he wants us to be infused by Holy Spirit so that we can grow together and be active in his kingdom. But first we have to realize that we have choices. Do you guys know that our lives are determined by our choices? They are. And we have some big ones today. We can recognize today that while we can't change everyone else, and don't we want to sometimes? It's okay, you don't have to raise your hand. I, I would say. But we can choose change for ourselves And the great thing is, is that normally affects change in others. We have a choice today. And I want you to know, you can make it this morning. God wants to do some things as you make choices that agree with him today. But in order to choose change or growth that leads to victory, we have to embrace three big things. Like we can't move any further unless we embrace these three things. And number one is humility, humility. 
Humility is simply seeing ourselves as God sees us. It's, it's coming into that conversation with him and saying, God, I want you to show me the good things and I want you to show me the things that need to change and being open to hearing it. Because then we need to surrender to him and yield to Holy Spirit. That's humility. Teachability. We can't be teachable unless we're humble. And it's simply the ability to be taught. Proverbs 11.2 says, when pride comes, and pride is this boiling up of an arrogant attitude or self-importance. Can I tell you, sometimes it comes out as self-importance and sometimes it's just a manifestation of extreme insecurity. Either can show in pride. So when pride comes, then come dishonor and shame. There's no maybe about that. It just is what it is. But with the humble, the teachable, who've been chiseled by trial and who have learned to walk humbly with God, there is wisdom and soundness of mind. Isn't it interesting? There is another scripture, soundness of mind can actually mean strength. Do you want some strength today? Me too. Strength. I love the third thing. So humility, teachability, and then we need courage. No doubt Change is hard, but it's worth it. That's why I love this quote by Brene Brown. She says, you can choose courage or you can choose comfort, but you can't have both. And I felt like the Lord really showed me this when I read that quote. He gave me this. Just know that courage leads to constructive change, but comfort leads you nowhere. Comfort will lead you in your fuzzy socks, not doing anything to change your life. You see, courage is required in a fight. Now, these three qualities are necessary. They just are necessary to engage in the battle plan to fight the familiar, no matter our age, our stage, our level of maturity, or our expectations. So how do we fight the familiar in our families? How do we do this? What is the battle plan? Number one, number one, choose Jesus. Choose Jesus. You see, we simply can't have the anointed, filled, full, free life that God intends for us to have unless we, we choose to make Jesus Lord and Savior of our lives, unless we are invested in relationship with him. You need to know this morning that if you don't know Jesus yet, then you don't fully know God And if you don't know him yet, we want to introduce him to you. We want to introduce you to him. We want you to have that relationship and God wants you to so that Jesus can be the center of your life and family and so that God can saturate you with the love, the true love of a heavenly father. Now, some of you this morning would say, okay, Pastor Jen, I know Jesus, I'm there. Here's my question for you. Are you choosing him? Those can be different things. Is your life, is your family revolving around him? Are you choosing him? Once you answer that critical question, you can move on because he'll equip you for the next steps. You can say even right now, right in your seat, Jesus, I haven't been choosing you, but today, right now, I do. Help me with these next steps. So one, we choose Jesus. And two, 
change your mind. Change your mind. What are the things that you're believing and choosing to agree with about yourself, about your family, even about your church family that are not in alignment with God's truth? This is a big one. I'm gonna share some questions or some statements with you, and I want you to think about, are you in this place? Does, do you relate to these things? Here we go. Are you looking back to a past season, believing that it was the best your family will ever be? Are you looking elsewhere, thinking the grass is greener outside of your spouse and outside of your family? Have you put a label on your spouse or your kids that they just can't break out from? Do you find yourself saying negative things to your family members with the words, you always or you never? Because these are agreements that you have made in your mind about those in your family and they're unhealthy, but they can be changed. This is a big one, y'all. Are you in agreement with the enemy that you are not enough as a spouse, as a parent, or as a person? Are you in agreement with the enemy that you'll never be able to change, that you'll never get healed, that the areas of your life that are struggling will never be in alignment with God and his word? Do you relate to any of these? If you do, I wanna encourage you and myself. Here's the truth. God convicts us in a way that leads us to change. But the enemy condemns us in a way that leads us to shame. And shame always tells us what we are not. But God always tells us who we are. I wonder this morning how many are stuck in a place of shame. And I would tell you today, you can be encouraged because God wants you unstuck. He wants us unstuck and moving and free. And he wants the permission, the access to tell us who we are. Today is the day to change your mind. Romans 12, two says, and do not be conformed by the world or to the world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed, and don't miss this, and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove for yourselves what the will of God is that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. He wants to transform us. The word transform right there is actually from the Greek and it means metamorphosis. And here's what I love about it. Metamorphosis talks about an inward change inside of us, in our souls, in our minds, in our feelings. And it changes us so much that then it becomes an outward permanent. The definition says permanent change. How many of you wanna see those struggles, those weaknesses, those bondages broken permanently? You guys, this is a fight. It takes effort and strategy and it takes God. 
We change our minds by reading, focusing, hearing on the word of God. And guess what? Here's another thing. We change our minds by being mindful of our mouth. Woo! Proverbs 18.21 says, death and life, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it and indulge it will eat its fruit and bear the consequences of their words. It's powerful. See, I believe this. In the ordinary way of life, we could say, as you believe, so shall you feel. And in ordinary terms, as we feel, so shall we speak. And as we speak, so shall we live. Here's the deal. A lot of you, and sometimes I do, speak what we feel, and it's not helpful. Sometimes our feelings lie. Newsflash. What we can do is choose the truth and start to declare the truth rather than declare destruction over ourselves, over our spouse, over our children, over our family members, over our church family. We can choose to change our mind and start declaring things before we even see it in reality. And we can be a part of of making it come to reality. We can be a part of saying to our spouse, this is who you are in Jesus Christ. And then they'll start to believe it. We have power with our mouths. And you guys, this is convicting for me. I have room to grow. But I believe that this is worship. This is worship that wins the war. And it happens by getting our minds right, making our mouth follow, and then moving in alignment with our maker. In him, we can fight the familiar. Will you guys just say that with me? Fight the familiar. So number three, change your course. Change your course. Most of us are greatly influenced, I'm sure you would agree, by our our upbringing, as were our parents and their parents before them. But we get to choose our course, amen? I'm gonna share a few stories with you, some examples. One is from my amazing husband sitting over here. His name is Joel. Now, Joel was raised um, two parents, but his father was a pastor. The only thing is his father never encouraged him as a father should. And he even went on to have multiple affairs. And Joel and I could tell you that Joel could have chosen a course to follow in his footsteps. At the very least, he could have chosen a course that would have led him to dislike and distrust the church but that's not what he chose. See, he chose a course where he followed Jesus and he he chose God to serve as his heavenly father and as an example in fatherhood. I've got my beautiful mother sitting right over here and she was raised by an alcoholic father who drank their money away and who took his five kids where they spent more time in bars than in parks. Her parents divorced. Dysfunction was her norm. But one day she chose Jesus to be Lord and Savior of her life. She has a pretty dramatic story about it. You should ask her. And guess what? By that choice, 
It changed our family. The way it looked and the way it looks today, it's different because of her choice. Now, I share that as past experiences. I'm telling you, it doesn't mean that Joel and I didn't or don't have things to work through even now. For instance, early on in our marriage, Joel thought it was completely normal to yell. He says, vent. He told me that right before I walked up, say vent. (laughs) And he thought he could say things he'd regret, walk away, and then come back as if everything was fantastic. I did not think that was normal. However, I thought it was completely normal to punish him with my silence, my distance, and my dirty looks. He did not think that was normal. I'm telling you, these were things that were familiar to us. However, they weren't what we wanted to be commonplace in our marriage or in our family. And so we did and we continue to invite the leadership of Holy Spirit and we surrender to Jesus and we yield and we ask for help. We want to change our course. Here's the deal. Whether you meet Jesus today or you've known him for years, you can invite his leadership into your life. You can break the cycle of generational sin before you. You can. And you can start on a new course today because he wants you to choose this plan in which, and this is powerful, here are your two choices. You can choose familiar patterns or you can choose the fulfillment of his promises. Which one do you want to choose today? 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ that is grafted in, joined to him by faith in him as Savior, he is, you are, I am a new creature, reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things, the previous moral and spiritual condition have passed away. Behold, all things are new. Because spiritual awakening brings a new the newness of God. If we're honest, we would say there are some areas today for all of us in which we want to choose Jesus to come in and do his thing. You can change your course. Let's fight the familiar. And number four, and the final step I have for you today is to change your legacy. Change your Legacy. See, the word legacy means something passed on from one person to another. I love this part. It means an inheritance. Who of you wants an inheritance? A good one. Me too. So I would ask you, what are you passing on to your children and your family members? What are the things that matter that you're passing on to them? Is it a better understanding of God or of sports? Is it unconditional love or performance-based acceptance? Is it a spirit of servitude or entitlement? Fear or faith? Is it surrender to God even in the suffering or is it them watching you surrender to substance abuse as a way of coping? You can get healed of that today. You can change your course. You can change your mind, change your course and change your legacy See, we're familiar with the negative side of all these statements. Those are the ordinary things, but we were meant for the extraordinary. You have more influence than you think. 
You have influence on your spouse, if you have one, on your children, whether it be your spiritual or your physical children. You have influence over your church family, and and there's others in your life that you have influence over. What are you passing on to them? I'll share with you, I have some two incredibly valuable heirlooms to me, with me today. One is a Bible from my great, great grandfather. He was born in 1855. He was a traveling pastor. His name was, in fact, they called him Reverend, Reverend Charles Fremont Pryor. And I have today one of his sermons even with me. And it was a sermon in which he spoke on unity, the very thing we need today still applicable in many, many ways. Here's the deal. It was his grandson who taught me my first verse and who truly showed me the love of Jesus. I know I'm different because of his legacy, even though I never met him. What are you passing on today? What do you want those whom you want to impact? What do you want them to hear from you? What do you want them to see you do? What do you want them to inherit from you? The weight might feel overwhelming, but I can tell you there's only one place you start with this. And it comes from Deuteronomy 6, five through seven. You've heard it before. This is where we start. This is what everything revolves around. It says, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And Jesus would add later, when he's talking to his disciples, he would say, in all your mind. (laughs) And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting See, when you love something, (laughs) you talk about it. That's where we start. Ann Voskamp says it this way. Parenting is never about how your kids turn out. (laughs) I read that and I went, uh, are you sure? (laughs) I, I had to really process this, but I love it. She says, it's always and only about how you keep turning toward your kids and their maker. It's never about training your children to be good so they won't ever fall. It's about letting them see you fall in love every day with a good God. And even after you've fallen hard, they see you keep falling hard for God. You guys, we're not gonna get this all right. (laughs) But our humility is met with His grace. And lessons are learned when we're teachable. And when we're humble and teachable with courage, it's often rewarded with victory. See, God wants your legacy to be one of love and to be one where there are long lasting worshipers who build up the kingdom. I wonder, would he have ever known (laughs) that his great, great granddaughter of all things would be holding his Bible one day and preaching the word. 
God is not in the business of destruction. God is in the business of construction. Will you allow Him to build a God-honoring legacy through you today? If you want, there's some practical steps we're gonna put out on social media this week. I just want you to know we're, we can fight the familiar and we can help each other do it. I wanna tie this all up by sharing with you about a story of a family from the Bible. It's really about generations of them, but we're gonna start with Lot. He had two daughters and a wife and they lived in Sodom and angels from God came and said, we want to help you escape because God is about to destroy this city. And so as the angels are leading them out for escape, they say one piece of instruction, don't look back. Don't do it. And they're running and Lot's wife just can't help it. Or could she? (laughs) They're running and she turns back to look and she turns into a pillar of salt. I just think that she couldn't get away from the past, from what was familiar. She was maybe afraid of the unknown. One was comfortable, one was not. She chose not to change her mind or her course and her legacy was affected. In fact, her daughters went on with their father and in that culture, marriage was incredibly important. To have a husband was almost a necessity or a lineage. And so they ended up tricking their father, this is awful, but tricking their father into sleeping with them. They each had two sons and scholars tell us that they believe those sons went on to be the ancestors of the Moabites and the Ammonites, two of the biggest enemies of the Israelites, the people of God. And scholars believe that God allowed that because it was a form of judgment because those daughters charted their own course. Fast forward many generations and we have the story of Naomi, Ruth, and Orpah. See, Naomi was a Jewish woman whose sons married Ruth and Orpah. And guess what? They were women from Moab. They were descendants of Lot's daughters. Now, each of their husbands ended up dying and Naomi decided she wanted to go back to Bethlehem. And so Ruth and Orpah follow her. But on the road, she realizes, man, this is gonna be really hard. And so she turns to them and she urges them, go back to what is familiar. Go back to what's comfortable, where you'll be taken care of. And Orpah chooses and she, the Bible says, goes back to her people and to her gods. But Ruth, Ruth says, no way, Jose. I'm staying with you for the long haul. I'll go where you go. I'll live wherever you live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Two very different choices. Fast forward again and then we find something astonishing in this family. See, most of us have read the book of Ruth and we realize she went on to marry a good man named Boaz. And they actually become the great, great grandparents. (laughs) of David, one of the greatest kings in the Bible. 
And he, we know from this famous story when he was this young man and he defeated Goliath, he grew this incredible courage because Goliath was mocking the people of God, but more importantly, he was mocking God. And David defeated him. He became famous for that. So what happened to Orpah? Well, Jewish literature tells us that she was the mother of Goliath. Two women, same opportunity, two choices. One changed her mind and chose God's truth. One stayed with the familiar. One changed her course and chose God's plan and one went back to the familiar. Two women, two very different legacies. Do you wanna know who else was a descendant of David and Ruth? It's Jesus. <laughs> and some scholars actually think that maybe David, when he defeated Goliath, took that skull and buried it in Golgotha. That maybe that's where the name came from because it means skull. And you know what happened at Golgotha? That's where Jesus hung on the cross and he died for us. And he wants me here today to tell you and to remind myself that Jesus hung on that cross and he died for all of our bad choices, to wipe them all away, to give us a choice, a choice to change our mind, a choice to change our course, a choice to change our legacies. He wants us to fight for our families. What will your choice be today? I hope that we can do this together and fight the familiar. If you're ready to do that, I want you to stand right now. And I wanna ask the prayer team to come up you guys, I wanna tell you, I want you to remember humility, teachability, and courage. If today you're saying, I wanna fight the familiar, I want healing. Yes, I want you to break off all the bad stuff, Jesus, but I want you to put in the good stuff. If that's you this morning, I want you to come forward and encourage, not because it's comfortable, but because it's gonna be worth it. I want you to come and, and be prayed over. If, if you don't know Jesus yet, let us introduce you. We, we truly, it would be the most amazing gift. But I'm gonna pray over each of you and then you'll be dismissed or have the opportunity to come and be prayed over. This is your chance to fight the familiar. God, I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for the opportunity to worship you. Today, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would pour out this, your, your Holy Spirit, and Lord, that we would respond with humility, teachability, and courage. God, I pray that we would choose construction over our comfort. I pray, God, that we would fight the familiar. Holy Spirit, come into your thing. May our families find favor in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.